You're listening to Trinity Fremont's Sermon Podcast, where you can hear God's Word preached each and every week. Our purpose at Trinity is to raise up Christ's followers in our families and in our communities. We pray that as you listen to this week's sermon, you'll be encouraged and equipped to live out your faith in all that you do. So I started out with a few questions a couple weeks ago. Today we're going to start with another question. Have you ever tried to grow a fruit tree? Any hands out there? Plant a tree? Fruit tree? Has anyone ever tried to grow a peach tree? Peach tree, Brian. Peach tree. How'd that go for you? Good and bad. See, that's, that's, that's fruit trees. That's fruit trees. Well, Leanne and I, about 12 years ago, we decided to grow a peach tree. And Leanne is really good at finding things, um, ordering things, and making sure it's the right thing. So, has anyone ever heard of Gurney's Nursery? It's in Michigan, right? And you can order all kinds of stuff from Gurney's. And so we found the right tree that wouldn't freeze in Nebraska, the right zone, and we ordered the tree. She ordered the tree. And it came about a week later in this box. We opened the box, and I pull out what is a stick with roots. A stick with roots. It was like, there is no way that this is going to become a peach tree. But we followed the directions. We had a perfect spot for it. We thought it would be protected from the northwest wind in the winter. Put it in this little berm with lava rock, some perennials on the side. And lo and behold, in about a month, early June, started getting some little things sticking out the side of this stick. And it ended up having a few branches that first year, a few leaves. Now, if you know anything about fruit trees, they grow really quickly. They grow quickly, which is also why they don't last very long. So this little stick in year number one already has 10 peaches. That's pretty good, isn't it? They were just these little buggers. They weren't the greatest things in the world, but it did have 10 peaches. Well, by year five, it was in the prime of its life. This is what it looked like. It had so many peaches that the, the branches were bending down to the ground. Can you believe that? So I ended up with all these two-by-fours trying to prop the, the branches up. Some of the branches were breaking. But the best thing about it is it had some wonderful peaches. Look at those babies. And look at that guy with all that hair. Yeah. Have you ever picked a peach off of a peach tree that was just ripe as can be? Like, you can smell it, it's so ripe. And, then, and you take a bite of it, and you better lean over, right? You better lean over, because the juice is just going to drip right down your chin. That's what those peaches were all about. So you're probably wondering, 
what does this have to do with anything this morning? Well, it has everything to do with it. Because in our scripture reading, we read about a fruit tree. What kind of tree was it? A fig tree. Let's go back and read verses 6 to 9 again. And he told this parable. This is Jesus telling the parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard and he came seeking fruit on it and he found none. And he said to the vine dresser, look, for three years now I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and I find none. Cut it down. Why should, up, why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, sir, let alone this year also until I dig around it and put on manure. Then, if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, then you can cut it down. So you have to go back to Jesus' time because he's telling the parable how things were rolling at that time, not now. Okay. So it's important that we figure out who the who and what the what is. So who do you think represents the fig tree? Think back to Jesus' time. Who were the unfaithful? Who were the people who weren't producing fruit? It was Israel, right? It was Israel. It was God's chosen people who were not producing fruit. Who do you think owns the garden? God, right? Because who can chop that tree down? Who can, who can extinguish the life of that tree? God can. See, Israel had a really bad track record of being faithful, of producing the fruit that God wanted them to produce. A really bad track record. One of, those, one of those instances that we'll talk about is Moses goes up to Mount Sinai and he goes up to Mount Sinai for how many days? 40. 40 is a good answer when you ask questions like that when it's in the Bible because there's a lot of 40s. Okay, a lot of 40s. Now remember, this is the people who just witnessed Ten plagues so that they could be delivered and could get out of Egypt. This is the same people who just walked across dry land in the middle of a sea. Same people. So you think their faith would be pretty strong, right? Nope. They got impatient. Well, Moses isn't coming down. What about our God? Let's make a God. What did they make? Who remembers? Yell it out. They, they made a golden calf. After every, a golden calf. There's a really funny end to that little discussion that Moses had with Aaron. So Moses comes down and he basically, his brother Aaron, he goes, what happened? What happened? 
So this is, this is Aaron's explanation. So I said to them, let anyone have gold take it off. So they gave it to me and I threw it into the fire and out came this calf. Poof! Out came this calf. Come on, Aaron. Are you kidding me? You're the right-hand person to your brother Moses. And you don't even have faith? You remember the story of the 12 spies in Numbers. So Moses tells, uh, God tells Moses, all right, we're getting ready. We're getting ready to go to the promised land. I got you out of Egypt. We got through the Red Sea. We're struggling a little bit here and there, but we're coming around. It's time. So, 12 guys, select 12 guys, one from each tribe, send them over, over to Canaan, come back with a report. Ten of the 12 came back, and they were scared to death. There's giants over there. There's no way we're going to be able to go over there and survive. But two were faithful. Only two. What were their names? Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb. And do you realize they were the only two that were able to go into the promised land? Because they were faithful. They produced fruit, didn't they? Yes, they did. So now let's get back to our parable. Now we kind of have a taste of, of the people of Israel and their lack of faith many times. And it wasn't any better when Jesus came to earth. It wasn't any better. Actually, it was probably worse. So the owner, God the Father, says, that's enough. That thing's not producing any fruit. Who do you think the gardener represents? Who wants to give it one more year? Jesus, right? Jesus. Jesus wants to give it one more year. Give it a little more time. The father's patience was dwindling. The son comes to the rescue. That doesn't mean Jesus wasn't disappointed. He was very disappointed. He was very disappointed in the faith lives of the people of Israel at that time. There's no doubt about it. There is a, uh, a verse in Matthew where he shows how disappointed he is. Jesus says, and this is only a couple days before he goes to the cross. Only a couple days. And, he, and he's been in Jerusalem now for a couple days, preaching and teaching. I mean, one of the first things that happens, remember, he goes into the temple and he just throws everything out because they had corrupted the temple. These are the Jewish people. These are God's chosen people. So he says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets, John the Baptist, and stones those who are sent to it. His heart is hurting for God's chosen people. Even though they keep messing up, Jesus' heart is still hurting for them. 
So Jesus intercedes. He intercedes. But what about today? Who do you think represents that fig tree today? It's you. And it's me. We're the fig tree. We're the fig tree. We're the ones who are supposed to be producing the fruit now. How's your fruit growing, going? How's it going? You see, we don't always produce fruit because we have a sin problem, don't we? We have a sin problem. And the consequences of that sin, they're pretty devastating. For the wages of sin is death. For the wages of sin is death. That's pretty serious. That's pretty heavy-duty stuff. But see, there's another part to this verse, isn't there? But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. we got a pretty good gardener, don't we? We've got a pretty good gardener. See, our bat, our God, our Jesus, he went to bat for us. And he wants us to make it all the way home. He wants us to make it all the way home. It's a little baseball reference. We're going to have another baseball reference here in a little bit. It might also be a Three Little Pigs reference all the way home. But Jesus intercedes for us. There's a big word in this verse right here from 1 John 2, verse 2, but I think it helps us make sense of everything today. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So when John is saying, not for ours only, he's talking about those Israelites. He's talking about those Jews. But it's not just for the Jews. It was for the whole world. That's you and me. That's you and me. Let's take a look look at the definition of propitiation. It's not a word we use every day, but it's an awesome word. The act of appeasing, thus, incurring divine favor or avoiding divine retribution. Now, I don't know about you, but I kind of want to avoid this divine retribution thing. I would much rather have divine favor. but we can never produce enough fruit to have divine favor because we're sinful. So our gardener, Jesus, comes to the rescue, doesn't he? Yeah, he comes to the rescue. But what's our response to Jesus' victory? We just sang about Jesus' victory What is our response to Jesus' victory? That's the real question of the day. 
Are we producing fruit? But that's very, that's very hard to do. That's very heavy. Because we don't, we don't go to heaven because of works, righteousness, because of producing good fruit. Because it's grace and grace alone. Grace and grace alone. So, to help understand this maybe just a little bit better, here's our baseball analogy. All right? So, how many games are in a World Series? Best of how many games? Seven games. Okay. First team, first team to win four games is victorious. They're the champions, right? But we're going to have a little different scenario this time. This time, the winning team is going to win the first four games. And it's going to be the Cardinals versus the Red Sox. And it's definitely not the Cubs. Okay? So it's going to be the Cardinals versus the Cubs. Excuse me. That can't be. They're both National League. I wish it was the Cubs. I would love the Cardinals to beat the Cubs. Okay, so think about it. You just won the first four games. You're the Cardinals. You just won the, four, the first four games. Sorry, Paul. Two questions. Would it matter how you played the next three games if you already won? Would it matter? Not really, would it? But would it matter how you played? Would you play well or not? Do you think you would play well if you already won the first four games? You're the champion. It's a good question, isn't it? Would you play well? I think you would play well. Next slide. But you see, you, you are joyful. You have no pressure on you. You just get to go play the game. You've been playing baseball since you're two years old. You're one of the best players in the whole world. Of course you would go play. You'd just play like crazy. Dawson, you'd play about 15 games in one day if you could, wouldn't you? Who cares if already won? That's even better. We just get to go play for the fun of it. The world's still watching, right? Still on TV. Millions are still watching. And you do want to support your teammates. Even if maybe you're not so motivated, you still want to support your teammates. You don't want to go out there and get embarrassed, do you? So what's the correlation to us? What does it have to do with producing fruit? That's the real question of the day. So, here's some more questions then. Jesus already won, didn't he? Jesus already won. So we're playing, we're playing right now games five, six, and seven, aren't we? Jesus already won. So are you a joyful champion? Are you a joyful champion because of what Jesus did for you? He already won. Are you a joyful champion? Or are you like, yep, I'm a Christian. 
Do you support your brothers and sisters in Christ? Do you support your teammates? Do you love them? Do you even love your enemies? Jesus tells us to love, love our enemies, doesn't he? Pray for your enemies. Remember, the world's still watching you. Oh, the world likes to watch Christians mess up, don't they? They love it. So it's important how we play games five, six, and seven. But it's really not about how we play. It's how Jesus played. Because we know, we know that we are going to commit errors. We know that. The law is, heavy, pretty, is, is really heavy-duty stuff, isn't it? Sometimes we're going to swing and miss. We're going to strike out. Sometimes that can of corn is going to be coming, a little pop-up, and we're going to drop it. Do you, do you know where the term can of corn comes from? anybody so think of you got to go back a long time but all the little towns had grocery stores and the, and they weren't very big but they had a lot of stuff it wasn't like a warehouse or walmart where everything spread out and you can reach everything so everything had to go up to the ceiling so let's say you need a can of corn and but the can of corn is like 15 feet up there you just go get one of the, one of the uh, not bus boys, so what would you call them? Grocery guys. Stock boy. Hey, I need, a, I need a can of corn. And they would go get a stick, and what, they would knock it off, and they'd catch it. A can of corn. But guess what? Sometimes you probably dropped it, just like we drop, just like we commit errors. Sometimes we get a Sunday hop right to us at shortstop, zing it right over the first base, right into the dugout. Yeah, we make errors. But see, that's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus came. He was perfect. He forgives us. He makes us holy. That's right. He makes us you and me, holy. Because of what he did. He won. The victory is won. His forgiveness is sweet. Just like eating that peach with that juice dripping down. That sweet forgiveness pouring out. and just drips off our chins. Jesus' love is poured out for you. It's poured out for me. Thanks for hitting it out of the park for us, Jesus. And in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.